You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. This makes my nipples hard. Hey there, Classic Gaming friends. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, Paul and I will be chatting about our B-side game recommendations. (laughs) See how I threw a little music in there? Huh? What? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Paul. (laughs) Hey, so that's what we're going with, the B-side thing? We don't don't know how to frame this episode at all, because... Because you're all a bunch of nerds, you know, <laughs> just like us, which means that everyone's pedantic and, and we're just, we're just, we've tried to frame it as hidden gems and, and then we're like maybe underrated games, maybe like B-side games. Yeah. We're terribly pedantic to each other all the time. We're just, and we, we try to imagine the worst of the worst, not for you. You guys are all wonderful, but like Paul and I, we're oh, just, yeah, we're no, terrible you guys, to each other. You guys were all great. Arguments. Every... Yeah. Every one of you. (laughs) But yeah, so he's essentially, we've got this list of games and they're not mainstream (laughs) games. They're not King's Quest 1 and Leisure Suit Larry 1. They're like, they're the games that are the other, I'm I'm doing it again, Paul. They're the other tracks on the album. Wow. (laughs) That not every, they're not the radio tracks. They're not the three or four that everybody knows. They're like, they're track number seven and track number 13 or nine. That like maybe you've heard because you're a fan of the band, but like not everybody's heard, and so so that's kind of where the episode's going. Back to games. Phew. Okay, let me translate that for everybody listening. So <laughs> I think what Anna's <laughs> trying to say here is, you know, these are bloody. <sighs> we can't come to you guys and be like like one of the games that, that I thought about bringing up was Freddy Farkas. Now, the reason I thought about bringing that up is because it's a game I often hear people say, oh, I, I always forget about that one, or, oh, I, you know, I've been meaning to play that. In other words, I, I haven't after all these years. So it's like, if you go to Classic Gamers Guild on Facebook and you're there all the time, none of this, there is no underrated or hidden anything because there's only a finite amount of classic adventure games. So we can't come to you and be like, Echo Quest 2. Because you'd be like, dude, that's it's not a hidden gem. It's just maybe not popular. But it's like, then there's this other world of people that that aren't like sleep eating and breathing this. Like, there's there's a there's a whole group of people out there, and some of, some of them listen to this, which is astonishing. But but there's a group <laughs> of people out there that don't see a Monkey Island meme like every other day, and don't see like a <laughs> Ask Me About Loom joke every time they go on Facebook. Like, there's a group of people out there that just are just existing, and this is like a little supplementary part of their life. So. To them, some of these games might be kind of more hidden gems. Look, listen, we're bloody, we're not going to talk about the quests, the major quests. We're not going to talk about anything LucasArts did, frankly, because they, they put out like eight adventure games and they're all great. Not you, Zach McCracken. But, but everybody knows Zach McCracken. There's, there's no room for it on this list. It's not like, oh, you know, Lucas has this little game called Zach McCracken nobody knows about. Because that's, that's not true. You, you know it. You know about it. Yeah, because uh, it wasn't one of their most popular games. But, hey, the music in it was pretty awesome. Um, Sure. You know, <laughs> that's, that's just in case somebody worked on it's listening. You know, there's, that's for you. There's a bone. <laughs> I know it's you, David Fox. God damn it. <laughs> Stop listening to the I show. I know, he's always listening. <laughs> okay, but anyway, let's let's bloody let's get into our list. We've got we've got a we've got a good one. These people, they're gonna be at work soon. We gotta finish telling them stuff before they get there. So what's what's <laughs> the first one on our list? All right, number one, we have one of my favorites from back in the day done by people. You know my my favorite guys. It's everywhere. and It's uh, Dave Barry and D.D. Murray. I think there was a Chris involved somewhere as well initially, but I don't know him as well. It's just hard <laughs> I don't to know you. <laughs> but no, you love those guys. But, you're, you're a big fan. They're the Manhunter and, and Art of War, maybe? Yep, yep, you got it. It's those guys, and, and this is their kind of first foray, I think, into the Sierra world. But it's it's a little bit different than your typical old school Boxing Day uh, because you can go and you can create your own characters, you can edit your characters, you can fight uh, a kangaroo at the end that's super difficult. Awesome. And it's arcade style. Yeah, really good game. I would recommend checking it out, but it's probably hard to play and emulate. So I would highly recommend checking out a YouTube video. Instead, that's fair. Yeah. But if you do check it out, you have to you have to go on eBay uh, and buy it legally 
and then get, you know, a 5.25 drive and like a cryo flux and like you cannot pirate this, guys. All right, I'm dead this is serious. The sound. There you go. This is that's the sound of this box opening. Just like I did. Get the original. Thanks, uh, thanks, Kevin. Lunchbox, please. We're trying to thank Kevin for this. Ah, dang it, he's coming <laughs> closer. Come on, man. So, all right. Well, number two on the list is ours jointly, which is mm-hmm. uh, which is Gold Rush, because you know anybody who doesn't listen to this show <laughs> doesn't know enough about Gold Rush. You guys, you guys get it, especially Brian, because he he straight up was we we wore him into just playing it. He's like, fuck it. I mean, if I play <laughs> it, will you you know please stop? Um, no, we, I, I can't, I, I don't know how, so you guys got to play gold rush cause it's just so charming and fun and beautiful. And do we, I just not, I, I feel, I literally feel bad at this point telling them to play gold rush again. So Andrew, do you want to <laughs> give it a go? What do you got to say? Uh, well, I mean, it's pretty cool. You're like, you're this dude named Jared and you've got to get to uh, search uh, for gold. Hold so on. Is, is it Jared to, or I'm is not- it Gerard? Oh, I always said Jared. But Gerard makes sense. I never, th- I always just automatically said Jared. Holy cow. How have we never wondered this? I know. That's why I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. But I, the reason I interrupt you is because I'm like, holy shit, we have a fresh take. <laughs> we got something new to say yes. about this. Let's, let's quickly do that. Because of the two, I've never met a Gerard in my life. That just seems like a, a, almost like a childhood notion of what the game would be called, the guy's name. <laughs> I think Jared. But maybe Jared would be an E, and maybe because there's two R's, it cancels. Oh, there's no out maybe. The I mean, it's, it's, I've never seen Jared spelled Gerard before. So I mean, we we know. <laughs> no. <laughs> I guess you're right. I think you could very well be right. I've just I've always even when you've typed it out to me, and and I bet you if I searched it in our uh, search conversation of our history, we've probably said that to each other like 150 times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an overwhelming amount of times to begin to sift through. <laughs> Because now I'm wondering, is Gerard like a, is that, because I could almost picture it as like an Amishy kind of name, you know, like a, yeah, like, like a, I don't know, the, the Americana, no, that's not right. Well, listen, I think we've, I think we quickly hit a ceiling on this new topic. <laughs> Gold Rush is just going to be us arguing about the name. You know what, Brian, our friend Brian Manal, you, you break, you, you break the tiebreaker. How did you say it? Mm-hmm. And then, I'd like and to then know. know. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, his brother's easy. You're like, Jake, great. We're fine. Yeah, Super exactly. Easy. They didn't put like a weird Nothing O in to... there for no reason. Joe, Joe, a joke, slow. All right. Anyway. So the game's about this guy. We're going to call him JW because I think that's pretty cool. And he's got to go off and find gold. And there's three different ways to find gold. And okay, here's the clincher. A review by PC Gamer in its day calling it a weird, weird little adventure game. Wow. How is that? <laughs> Wow, it's it's remarkably unuseful too. Is is what that is? Like they're just what a weird little game, you know? Like what do you what do you mean? <laughs> I know there's time limits. If you're not fast enough, and if you don't th- do things at the right time, it limits what you can do. So essentially, I think the game's assuming that the first time you play through, you're not be able to go through the jungle, right? Or it's just it's gonna you're not gonna it make kind of directs you. You're not gonna make that boat. It's yeah, not happening. There's no way. Not on the first yeah, try. But the next time through. you play, you're going to go, yeah. And then you're like, man, there's other ways to go. How do I do it? Cape Corn, this and that. How do you do it? You have to you have to just keep trying. No way this group of fucking amateurs is going to make that boat the first time. <laughs> no freaking way. That's a, that's a tough one. With Okay, and with no hints. Because I tell you, if you wander around, because I think, I think it's like 12 minutes or something you have to, or eight minutes for the maximum amount of money. It's not you enough have to, minutes. Like, sell your house. I know that it's but, not. Yeah, and the the game clock's unreliable. You know, it's anyways. That's good. We talked about Gold Rush totally. I don't know if we just convinced you to play it, but we've talked about it more than just this. Yeah, so. I, yeah. Just play, play. Please play that game. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm losing my patience with some <laughs> of you guys. I'm trying to be cool here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. We have another one from 1988, which you might not have wanted to talk about. And now I've just kind of forced it on you, but so I'm sorry. It's called, <laughs> it's I'm so sorry. You did, you did decide to scrap this, but yet here it is miraculously showing up on the episode. It's ooze creepy nights. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that famous game that nobody's heard of by Dragonware games. Uh, 
It's kind of like a detective mystery horror interaction fiction kind of a game. How creepy are the nights? <laughs> well, you know, creepier than the days. <laughs> wow, that's fair. I see why you wanted to cut this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's move us along to 1990 to the one no, I, I wanted could, I to could, cut. Fuck, yeah, okay. We uh, could we could do it. No, okay, I've got it here. The uh, the game, Revolt, it's worth it for this. The main character's name is Ham. Guess what his last name is? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Burger, okay. Oh, it's right, a, okay. It's a meaty adventure. Ugh. And it's not well known at all. Honestly, almost nobody's played this game. This is (laughs) just drive me right up. I am not in the mood anymore. (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) totally check it out. It's a little different than the other games that we've talked about. So get it, get up in there. Next, we have it's a weird little game. Uh, next we have, yeah, I was from 1990. I was going to cut Alter Destiny because I, I don't think I actually played it, which gives me kind of no right to sit here and be like, you guys need to play it and then tell me. Considering tell I deleted me about it. it off of my page. Yeah, why did Jeez. I leave the one? Oh, dang it. Well, Alter Destiny is not Space Quest. And, you know, we talked about it on the show a hundred episodes ago. Mm-hmm. So good luck finding that if you want to hear about it. I don't, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah, if you're looking for for not Space Quest, try Alter Destiny. It's better than, you know, Rex Nebular, probably. I've never played any of the games I'm talking about. So let's move on to 1991 for a game I do know bloody what we're talking about. I just forgot how to use verbs for a second there. A lot of those were wrong back there a second ago. But it's called Conquest of the Longbow. And... And this, I think this deserves to be on on an underrated or, or a hidden gem or whatever the, we're calling this episode list. Because it's it's the exact, the exact spirit of this list is this game. Where it's like, you know, the, like mm-hmm. it's not like the main Sierra titles or, or adventure titles. It kind of fell by the wayside a little bit. Again, if you're on CGG every day on Facebook, it's you're going to be like, dude, no, it hasn't. It gets brought up a lot. Because, yeah, because everybody's running out of stuff to talk about. So you got to... You gotta, <laughs> You got to pull in, you got to pull the backups in, you know, you got to really start getting to the connoisseur level when you just talk about this stuff every day. Like, of course you make your way there, but for the most part, it's not one of the main quest games. It's not like a Lara Bow or a Gabriel Knight. It's just, it's just like a, 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 if there, if you could call any Sierra title a hidden gem, if you would have the balls to do that, then this, this would be the closest you could, I think, consider to hidden besides Manhunter, mm-hmm. which I just thought of. Mm-hmm. Damn it. It's a good game, though. I mean, Longbow's, it's a lot of fun. There's there's a weird EGA version, because it was drawn just in EGA in the VGA era. I love games like that. And it's super fun. And we might even talk to, to one short eye Matthew about it someday soon. Or we might not. We might, mm-hmm. you know, just never talk about it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's about Robin Hood. You guys know him. He's uh, he's out there just, you know, giving giving the rich the business, you know? So. With a hey nanny, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's a good, it's a really, it's a really, really good game. It was done by Christy Marks, um, who who, uh, who uh, also did um, Conquest of Camelot, and obviously Jim. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's. Uh, I'm gonna jump in and say, you know what? There's a few things I love about this game. Uh, for one, Mark Siebert kicked ass. He did all the music for this game, and the music in this game is really, really pretty. Uh, Christy Marks was quoted as saying, "It's a non-linear story that maintains a strong storyline," and that's really interesting because she didn't know how to do that as an author, as a researcher, and as somebody who worked in film and entertainment. She kind of didn't know how to make it linear and make everything make sense if you couldn't determine the order that things were happening. And and both of the games are kind of like that. You can kind of, there's a lot of free choice in how you make things happen and where you go and what you do. And Christy had really, really perfected that uh, by that time. Uh, the other thing I really like about it is there's that, you actually get to see Christy in the game. You probably know, but if you're in the market there in Nottingham, you get like a little message when you click on her and it's like, oh, congratulations, you found me, which I think is adorable. Yeah, it is adorable. 
This game you should be excited about, and me too. I'm going to say that this game that Paul's about to tell you actually found a copy of it at the Salvation Army for like 10 bucks in beautiful condition in the hard box. This is a game in a hard box, and it's just, it's a beautiful timeline. What game am I talking about? Why, you're talking about Sherlock Holmes and the lost, Sherlock's lost, dang it, I'm blowing it. Sherlock Holmes and the <laughs> serrated scalpel. The lost, yes. he's the lost The guy. lost files, so. yes. <laughs> By Mythos Software, and actually EA got a hand in developing this one. So uh, yeah, it, it takes you back in time, doesn't it? All the way back to, uh, I think, like the late 1800s. Yeah, it's got that, that Victorian era kind of vibe to it. It's probably the most... This is another one that should be on this list, and it is, so that's good. Because, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> again, in <laughs> the spirit of this episode, it's like, hey, I think ultimately a lot of this list is games that we would love for you guys to also enjoy. Like, hey, I think that you're mm -hmm. going to love it. And and they, they, they get swept under the rug easily, or it's like, I know for, even for me, it's like I have all these games that I need to play and want to play, and then like I'll just like cough and play Space Quest Five again or, or something. So it's like... If we're going to break that cycle, these are the games you should break the cycle with. Like, this is a, it's a beautiful game. It's, I, I it's funny because I, I heard um, Francisco talk about this recently, um, Grundislav, from Grundislav Games. And as soon as he was just going on to how enamored he was by the whole game, and it immediately made sense because you can kind of see, you can see the art, you can see a lot of this game in Francisco's work. So mm -hmm. for anybody who's familiar with one or the other, you could kind of mentally imagine there's there's some heavy Lamplight City vibes in this and, and vice versa. So like, you know, mm -hmm. if you know Lamplight but not this, then this has like a little bit of that going on. But anyway, the pixel art's gorgeous. Um, it's just an exceptional game. Like the, the worst criticism I heard from it was that it's like it was trying to be a movie, somebody said. And like, like when it first came out, like, you know, PC reviews or whatever, and they kind of slammed it. Like, you know, this thing doesn't even know if it wants to be a game or not. It just, we think it just wants to be a movie. I'm like, well, that, for an adventure game, like, that's kind of like the goal, right? Just like great mm -hmm. storytelling. I mean, obviously, you need an interactive point of view, but it's it's plenty interactive. It's like a nine verb kind of system, like a LucasArts system where you pick the verbs and use them on stuff. And um, it's a gorgeous game. It's done. It's done really, really well. It is narrative heavy or narrative is at the forefront but not in a bad way and everybody mm -hmm. should stop what they're doing uh you know and play it i mean not right now but later honestly if you're into canon it's it's pretty good it keeps up with the books it keeps up with the information that's out there it doesn't do anything wild you've got your regular people in there that that you would know from all of the stories so it's kind of it's comforting right i mean a dude's going around killing people with a serrated scalpel figure it out it's it's a lovely little game. It's got doesn't it have the uh, is it the verb based point and click in that one? Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's got kind yeah. of the the, so. the nine verb system and yeah. You know it's it, you know what you're getting with Sherlock Holmes and and I think murder mysteries and detective games like they just suit the adventure genre so good that that this one yeah it's a really good game. It makes sense that like EA chose this story. I don't know. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've lost faith in myself. Let's move on. So we're moving on to <laughs> 1993 <laughs> with Echo Quest 2, which again is more just along the ideas of like, hey, like this is a really fun game even for adults, right? So, you know. And I used to call it Eco Quest until I talked to you and we had that little talk about it. <laughs> right. Did I convert you to saying it that way? I don't think so. I don't know. No, I think it's supposed to be Echo Quest, what you're saying, but in my head it's Eco Quest because it's only got one consonant between the two vowels. Oh, yeah, let's let's not go that route. Let's not go down a grammar route right now. I, I don't know. I was just, literally last night was just like in the middle of writing for the game. I was like Googling like possessive uses of apostrophes and stuff. So I'm like, oh, so it's not just when the next word's going to be is. <laughs> but <laughs> I have a lot to learn. Um, then my, my son is just loudly urinating in the background. I don't. I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it. I'm sorry for anybody who's right. just driving Everybody and has peed. to pee and was like, man, that sounded really good right now. I could I could go for one of those <laughs> right now. But um, anyway, play. So, yeah, Adam Green is hanging out. Adam came back. He was there in the first EcoQuest. He's back for the second EcoQuest, and he's ready for adventure. 
He is, and he's got he's got a, a an echo quarter thing. I kind of forgot what it, what they call it in the thing, but he's mm-hmm. got like this little device which um, which is uh, kind of like Wikipedia. Yeah, echo order, echo order. I I always say e quarter. Like when I was a kid, I always called it an e quarter. E quarter. But you yeah. might have called it an yeah, but oh, echo quarter also right. would make sense because I don't know which one it actually. But an echo, if it's Echo Quest, it would be either an echo or an eco quarter, <laughs> depending. On- like it's not like I called it an uh quarter just because I said echo. Like <laughs> it's messed up. <laughs> so anyway, the uh quarter was was like Wikipedia in his pocket, I guess, where it tells you yeah. it gives you kind of wrong information about cultures because because it's 1993 and there wasn't much of an internet yet. You know, you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta bear in mind, like, well, okay, first of all, I'm I just I'm not even trying to be mean. I was just reading an article. Um, from the, the lovely people of Polygon, and they're like learning about other cultures through through this game, even if it's not always accurate, because they get a few a few very few little things wrong. They get most things right, so this is just immediately unfair of me. But I just I just wanted to point out to to the Polygon people who are surely listening that it was 1993, and it's not like they could just Google this shit and be like, hey, real quick, blah blah blah. Like it's kind of amazing the stuff that Sierra and Lucas and all those people got right. Like they had to go mm-hmm. get like a thesaurus, a thesaurus about it, and <laughs> they had to go to their local library and look this stuff up, and and mm-hmm. and and hope that whoever wrote whatever book wasn't just talking shit. Because that mm-hmm. that happened all the time. We're just like, hey, I'm Joey Penwriter. I, I I write books about the truth, and it's like we all have to just trust that he's saying facts here about the rainforest. He's never been to the rainforest. He's not Peruvian. But anyway, the <laughs> point is, is that it's 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 a it's a really fun game. Even if you're an adult, I played it two or three years ago, for probably not the first time. Doesn't matter. Point is, you don't have to be a kid. It's a good time. Yep. And you get a chance to go exploring from your very own computer to a rainforest, a river, I think a village, there's a temple, you can go to all these places, recording. Anyways, yes, definitely underrated in that I would say even amongst the Sierra fans that I know, even if they've mostly heard of it, I I would be surprised if a quarter of them had played it. Right, exactly. Thank you. So you're validating its place on this list and, and, and furthermore, you're validating the, the need to do this whole list thing that we're yelling at everybody to begin with. And also <laughs> if you do play echo quest Two, um, play the first one and play it without the talkie version. Sa- same as, same as <laughs> Willie Beamish. D- don't play either of those games with the talkie. Yeah. The talkie destroys them. Like it just, it mm-hmm. turns, it turns echo quest like from a all ages, literally or legitimately fun for all ages game to like a, a hyper fourth grade child only experience when you hear the the talkie. So, and also real mm-hmm. quick, I just want to retcon that like one episode or two ago, we brought up echo quest and I was like, I'm just going to say a bunch of stuff about it now. Cause we're never going to do an episode about it. But it turns out we actually did an episode about it like 120 that's, that's shows ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. See, now I, I get it now. Sorry for yelling. It's okay. Why is there so, so many the mining around here? <laughs> <laughs> I know when I was putting in my information for my games because I always do research for the stuff that I do. I'm like, wow, I got like seven or eight games. I'm thinking to myself before I joined it up with like Paul's list. I'm like, that's all right. I'm pretty sure I can handle like seven or eight games research in the next couple of days, easy peasy. And then like now there's like thirty. Twenty one more games. I'm like, well, that. thank freaking heck, I don't got to research that many games. <laughs> I just gotta. I just have to throw out a few tidbits and this and that. What's in my little brain box, and I'm I'm pretty happy. All right. Well, I'm going to skip the next one for the most part. It's is I had Return of the Phantom from Microprose slash MPS Labs in 1993. Dude, it is a sequel. Like if you've read the original book, you're going to play the game. It actually takes place a hundred years later. So it's kind of neat, right? Because it's it's like a continuation. Like, did you want to see almost like an expansion in like, I have no mouth and I must scream. Like, do you want more Harlan Ellison? Uh, right? That's a like good this sales is pitch. this yeah. is I'm coming around. Yeah, on it, your it's really now. worth it. <laughs> Gaston LaRue, how much did he how many other things did he write? You you want to get in there? Okay, maybe he didn't write this game, but it is it's a neat take. And and you get to go to really cool places. You get to go to the <laughs> Paris Opera House. The whole score for the whole game is Bach inspired. So if you're like Mozart, no no no. Bach. You're good. <laughs> right, yeah, that's it. And it really divides our listeners. You could really put them into the the Bach crowd and the Mozart crowd. It's just- <laughs> 
it's like GNR and Metallica, you know, it just kind of splits opinions. Um, it's true. So next on our list is one of our games that we, we debated. I mean, honestly, we did talk about whether to put this game on the list or not for various reasons, but you said it. I don't know. Maybe you didn't because it didn't go through. But the point is, <laughs> Freddy Farkas is here and it bloody belongs. Freddy Farkas Frontier Pharmacist. So, yeah, <laughs> oh, real quick. Re Return of the Phantom. And this would have been a segue too. I, 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 uh, it's a terrible talkie version again so it ties in again just quickly with echo quest and and really beamish if you do play return of the phantom I, I haven't played the talkie don't play the talkie it's it it, it, it borderline ruins it um okay okay sorry so anyway then we, yeah like you were just saying freddie farkas is like this is probably the most pushing it on the list too because I, I feel like mm -hmm. i feel like the, you know i don't know though i i think it's Okay, maybe there's almost a division between people that have heard of it and people that have actually played it. Because I think most people mm -hmm. still haven't really played it. It feels like mm -hmm. I'm putting that it on. It is. Them. It's a beautiful game. It's we've we haven't talked about it before to all of you, but Paul and I have spent a lot of time talking specifically about <laughs> Freddie Farkas to each other. And and one of the things that I I like to mention is that there was so much text and writing from Josh Mandel for the game that they couldn't fit it all into the CD when they had people do the voice reading. So if you want to play it and hear the voices, which is fine, do it. But if you want to read all of the writing that was done for it and catch all the fun text, play the non-talky version. So you got a few assignments with this one, but it's worth it because it's really funny and it's really pretty. And it's just, it's a nice little game, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I'm, I'm struggling to add to your point, which is, which is fitting because we, we abandoned an episode about this. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am struggling to fill three minutes about it for some reason. And I really like the game. I played it twice. That second time was for that episode that we didn't release because mm -hmm. it was, it was, it wasn't great. Um, I think it was my fault actually in hindsight <laughs> that we've arrived in this moment. <laughs> but uh, it's a shame too because that, that makes it. It's totally. I'm coming across like it's not a good game, and it is so good, and it's super funny, and it does everything right as far as being able to reward exploration and all the flavor text and okay okay here's here's the one thing i would want to say is mm -hmm. the the part where you actually mix pharmaceuticals and you know you like you do mm -hmm. your job as freddie is so much fun and so satisfying i know i love that part that's really uh, it's so satisfying it is it's like it's so satisfying and it's weird because it's like more of like a mechanic like it's not part of the story it's not it's not super adventure it's gaming coffee protection <laughs> Right, right, exactly. What like is. considering what it is, I was bummed there wasn't more of it. I'm like, damn it, I really want to make some more drugs. This is so fun. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah. bloody that covers that. Okay, so the next one, maybe we should just kind of skip over too, because I think we're gonna try and do an episode about this one in the next month or so. Yeah, I think we're gonna put some time into it. So yeah, we'll skip over the next one. What was it? What was it? What was it? Uh -huh. Right, the teaser. We're gonna do an episode soon about Beaver and Buttface in Virtual Stupidity. That's their yeah, generic virtual stupidity. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, that's the, the one. The, It'd be ninety-five. Get in there. Yeah, yeah, that's coming at you. Possibly. I'm scared to commit. I mean, we we kind of already decided we were going to, but now that we're saying it on the show, it's like, well. I mean, do we really want? Okay, okay, we're gonna do that as an episode. You'll, you'll all see. All right. So next up, I have the Gene Machine, and you know, this is a game that my dad randomly brought home one day in the big box, and I had one hell of a time getting it to run. <laughs> it was one of those like right in that time period of just just being a real jerk, and it was it was a British game. Uh, developed. It was done by Divide by Zero. They did like Orion Conspiracy, uh, Innocent uh. Till Caught, which is that's a an adventure game done by I can never pronounce the name, but Psygnosis those guys right, and then they right. did guilty that was its successor anyways it's all within the adventure game genre this isn't their only foray there but some of their other games are like shooty stuff and uh and vic tokai is the publisher and i'm like who's vic tokai but it turns out that's a company name they did a whole bunch of other games that neither of us have ever heard of called like critcom or bump and jump it's yeah nothing like that right now this is interesting because i'm seeing innocent till caught and that really kind of takes me back i forgot about this game Oh. This whole company is quite interesting, right? Like Orion, they're they're very like 
be like seaside adventure games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is that, you know, <laughs> I bet you there's a lot of people listening that have like Orion and the shit in like their libraries and they're just like, mm-hmm. they've never even considered playing them. It's just like, I don't know how. Yeah, I think there. I have it too. So anyways, it's adorable. There's like, okay, there's this scientist <laughs> dude and his name, it's really weird looking. It's got all these extra letters, but it's essentially Pierre's Fanshawe, but it looks like Featherstone Ha. <laughs> it's like this but anyways he's got he's supposed to save the whole world there's like this crazy deadly virus and it's gonna go out there and wreak its havoc so it's it's adorable it's all like it's all hand drawn but the characters are 3d rendered but before like that 3d happened it's it's really much like playing a cartoon but all of the puzzles in the game are based on scientific principles and you don't like need any prior knowledge it's it's literally like you're going to use your head and your own logic and deduction to solve them so it's it's got a lot of attention to details everything fits everything's within its own canon and all of it every single bit like i said is all based in scientific principles so it's really unique i don't i don't think there's anything else like it if you can find it in abandoned ware or somewhere and actually get it to run do it it's it's not super long either it's it's totally worth a play very cool yeah and as you just said, I don't see it on Steam or GOG. No, it's no. it's like the nobody knows it exists game, pretty much. And even if you did, could you even get it to run? So, right, okay, that's cool. It's yeah, there's nothing on Guilty. I was just looking at the other stuff they made too. G, G- Machine, it almost has a Deponia look to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was just the palettes, but mm-hmm. right. All right, next we got we got Bad Mojo. And this is a super weird one where you play a cockroach, <laughs> <laughs> and it's I don't I don't remember enough about it to really talk about it. I just I played it when it came out, um, so that was '96. So I would have been in the U.S. I was sixth grade, and so that's that's my my memories of it are from sixth grade is what I'm trying to say, and hmm. I, therefore they're kind of non-existent. I just I remember finding it gross and cool and weird and worth my time. And yeah, you play a cockroach and the, the, the world and the scenes are gross. I don't know how else to describe it. Like if you just, it's a very I'm lo- visceral game. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like I'm looking at screenshots now and there's like, you know, a mouse with like a dead razor in its throat and uh, another scene's just really old rotten food. And it's basically, I, I think from what I remember, it's like somebody getting a dose of karma, like somebody who kind of has it coming yeah, you're like a ju- you're a jerk to somebody, and you end up being cursed or whatever as a cockroach, and you got to escape your apartment or or just you know stop stop being a cockroach somehow. The research into this was uh, it was really interesting actually. Uh, so Pulse Entertainment popped this one out, and you're Roger Sam, so you're like you're this entomologist dude, and you're going to be embezzling money, right? There's going to be this grant. You're going to you're going to be like your life is going to get better, everything's going to be okay, but then you end up having an accident, and your mother it's always the mother, but anyways, you get this like curse locket, and you get turned into a cockroach, and the whole game actually the funny thing is is the whole game's loosely based on Franz Kafka's night. 1950 novella the metamorphosis so the gameplay is like exploration and discovery which was kind of the vibe of the whole book when it came out you're bloody lucky you ever saw this game everything about the development was super troubled the original designer left the project early and the remaining team was trying to put together the game that wasn't really their own scope of vision so be thankful it happened at all yeah well yeah i mean or or don't you're gonna have to play it either way to figure out (laughs) How you feel about its existence? It's it's so it's so weird. Okay, here I'm gonna do the next three in one cons- one solid minute. Phantasmagoria Two is a really really good game that fits this topic really well because it's a lot of fun. It it almost has no business being as well written as it is. It does have problems towards the end where they they were probably running out of time or budget or both, and it gets kind of it kind of loses its mind a bit, but for the most part, 90% of this game is disproportionately mm-hmm. well-written for, for, for even the adventure genre. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's got a lot of like adult themes and a lot of just good times going on. It's, it's a really good game. We did a whole episode about it that we actually abandoned that one too, but we turned it into a later FMV episode with our friend Jackie. So you could check that out. It came out recently, but anyway, so Phantasmagoria two, it's yeah. Like you, I wouldn't blame you for looking at that and being like, I'm just never going to play that. And you should, you should actually yeah. play it. It's really, I felt really that good. Way. I, 
I didn't. Uh, Paul got me to play it, and I'd played the first one. I'm like, yeah, it's okay, but I don't know if I want to play another one. But the second one was different. It was it was witty, and it was really well put together, and it was like it was off putting. It was unsettling a little bit mm, in a yeah. way that I really liked. So yeah, get yeah. on that, and then uh, yeah. So Blade Runner, play Blade Runner or don't. Next is Blackstone Chronicles, which is another game we did an episode about. So listen to that episode or play the game or both or neither. And next, finally, for fuck's sake, is Starship Titanic, which is Anna's. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I need a fucking Gatorade. 1998, man. This came out. Uh, this game came out uh, by Simon and Schuster. They published it out. But Douglas Adams, he kind of put it together. He got kind of tired about it here and there. And, and Terry Jones came in and, and did some helping. And there was a book and there was a tape and there's 3D glasses. And uh, anyways, the music for the game was done by Paul Wickens. He was a member of Paul McCartney's touring band, which I thought was kind of a neat side fact. Uh, Adams and Wickens, though, they knew each other from back in school in Britain. Uh, they lost touch. But then Adams went to a Paul McCartney concert and was like, huh, okay brought the guy in and was like this is this is it this is what we're going to do and and then the guy also did the music room puzzle which is based on a tune that he had written years years earlier on guitar so these fun little personal notes it's it's 3d you can type in it and you can point and click in it it's a little bit like moon logic -y. it's a little bit difficult it can be a little bit buggy and a little bit crashy uh but go play it anyways because oh my god guys douglas adams come on some of the monty pythoners come on get in there there's a parrot it's terry so somebody went to a Beatles concert and was like, hey, I like the way you play keyboard in the background. Do you want to make a video game? Well, they were already friends from school, but okay. they hadn't like seen each other for like 20 years. And then he was randomly at a Paul McCartney concert. And he's like, hey, I recognize that guy. <laughs> weird. You're playing guitar because I actually need a programmer right now. That's fucking this is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> totally fits. <laughs> it's like a, a first person 3D rendered not yep. not missed but but like in in that kind of presentation sort of game sort of okay you didn't appreciate the well, missing there's, there's that's other fair characters no no because <laughs> there's robots like, there's no, other I'm, characters. I'm not going along with that <laughs> no <laughs> but you know what i mean like how how the camera moves forward and i guess like i guess instead of miss it's just just first person Right. Yes. <laughs> but okay. Okay. Here's the heart of what I'm getting at. Is it was did this game come about because of how well Mist was doing? Like, is it? You know what I mean? I don't think so. And and anyways, uh, I'm not answering your question at all. But anyways, oh. they developed a whole language processor to interpret the player's input and gave appropriate responses. And they recorded 16 hours of character dialogue, and they did all of that itself. But no, I'm I have no answer for you at all. No, that's fair. That's fair. It's like you're not encouraging this kind of behavior. <laughs> I won't have it. You just ignore them if they're naughty and give them praise if they're good. This fucking guy brought mist up in the middle of an episode. <laughs> Swore we'd never <laughs> talk like about mist. I couldn't see it. The mist was in the way. I was blind to what was. The next game on the list is mine. So that's Ghostmaster. Uh, yes, nice. <laughs> And it's not an adventure game, but it is, it's a game made by sick puppies and they did it in conjunction with uh, empire, but it's like, there's no other game like that. Um, so you've got all these houses and they're set up in different scenarios. Like say you've got a beta alpha pie house, or you've got a sorority house, or you've got like a family in a house. And sometimes you need to use all of your ghosts to scare them. And they each have separate powers and you can only place them like some are like electrical to ghosts. You can fetter them to the electricity. Some are outdoor ghosts. So you maybe you have to scare them. Maybe you just need to free other ghosts and have the police find the bodies so the other ghosts can be at rest. But each scenario has like its own idea in it. And so the whole thing, it's amazing, but, and it's beautiful for, for when it came out, which is 2003. It doesn't have any of that weird kind of 3d look to it, but it totally ends up on a cliffhanger. And what I didn't know until I was researching for this level is that, uh, they released a bonus level initially in the UK. So it works with the UK version, but it gives you a little bit of closure to the ending that I won't tell you what it is, but the ending of that game. So, so get in there. You'll be pleasantly surprised and you can play it with your kid, even though it's ghost it's it's super family friendly uh what kind of game is it because the way you describe it almost sounds adventure -y. it's there's no other games like it that i've ever played it's like the sims mixed with an adventure game mixed with 
like overarching. Ha! Huh, I've never played another game like it. I really haven't. Well, that's I cool. don't even that's, know where that to says put it. a lot for yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's eighty percent off on GOG. You can get it for a dollar nineteen. Yeah, I got it on my GOG, and I pulled it up, and and everybody in the house was just standing around watching me play. It's like you take your ghost and say you fetter him to the electronics, and then he's got six different spells, and you can pick what spell he goes up to, but you have to get plasma points and you get them by scaring people. And anyways, it's complicated to explain, but it's such a pretty game. So check it out. Highly recommended. It does look really good for the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It almost seems like a, like a board game in a video game. Like there's, there's a lot going on. It kind of plays like a board game. Actually, there's a lot of rules. There's a lot you don't understand when you're playing it the first time around. And there's a lot of like, even like if you go to look up hints, if you're not sure what to do, they're very confusing. There's a lot of pictures. It's it's something. So Shiva, 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 Shiva. Shiva. Was, this was Dave's first commercial game, as far as I know, um, mm-hmm. and it's really good. And if why do you like it, Paul? I mean, it's not like you play as a rabbi ah, and we you explore okay. themes related to the Jewish faith or anything. <laughs> Is that? Does it resonate with you? My face. Yeah, it does. Actually, it totally does. Did and you play the kosher edition? Wow. There, you know, it's that's DLC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it removes any pork products from the game. <laughs> <laughs> it's real, um, though. They did remaster it in 2013. So they called it Shiva the Kosher Edition, and it had new graphics, oh, music, did. and re-recorded voiceovers. Yeah, so if you only played okay. the original, it might be worth going back and seeing the little improvements, because as you know, how much a game developer ahem, can learn between one and three years. Well, imagine between 2006 and 2013, how much would have been learned. Right, yeah. A whole lot is the answer. Let me tell you that right mm-hmm. now. That's It's a whole lot. No, so it's it, but it is, it's a fun short game. And especially for the heaps out there, you know, there's 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 plenty of, of holiday and Santa stuff, and it's like we we just, yeah, it's nice to have one damn thing. <laughs> like we pretty much have like the Adam Sandler song, that episode from South Park, <laughs> and the Shiva. So fucking grab onto it and hold on for dear life. It's it's a it's a it's a good game. It's not it's not gonna like blow your mind. It's just a fun three to six hours. And if you're not a heeb, it's not like super Jewy. I mean, you are playing a rabbi. Never mind. Like it, I was going to say, the fucking the interact cursor is a star of David's. It's it's pretty Jewy. So just, but it's not obviously. It's not you know. Dave wasn't like I'm going to make a game that that only sells to Jewish adventure game fans because he wouldn't have <laughs> built an empire on that. And mm-hmm. I mean, empire might be generous, but in adventure game terms, that's what Wajedai is. A goddamn empire, monolith, if you will. But um. <laughs> I mean, so would be the building that it's based out of. Look, the Shiva's a good game. It's on mobile. There you go. You could play it while you're pooping. That's my final thing on the Shiva. That works. Well, then I'm going to jump into the Dream Machine, which was like, it was an episodic game. So you kind of started playing it with Chapter 1 in 2010, and and the whole game wasn't completed till 2017. And, and it's kind of like, ah, the game focuses on dreams. So if you're like Freud or Jung or any of those like dream symbol ideas, surreal elements, and like it all kind of keeps happening as the story unfolds. It's like you start off normal, you're in your apartment building and there's this dream machine that puts people to sleep and you help your building manager because he like, he almost dies and you have to shut down the dream machine. Stay with me. You have to you go said in that at the and perfect remove- time. Sorry. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> you have to go in and destroy everybody's connections to the dream machine. So you go into like all these different people's dreams and you 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 have to wreck them, right? Make them stop, make them not happy anymore. And and the whole game's really cool because kind of like the nether neverhood, which used claymation, which is unusual. This one used like pipe cleaners and broccoli and carpets and mash sticks and molten cloth and heck, even condoms. Like they they use the weirdest things to make this game happen, to create the the weirdest, weirdest story. So I I loved it. It was it was not at all super difficult. It was pretty logical. The the puzzles were more within the stories and the ideas than anything else. There was a lot of dialogue. It's worth playing. Like especially now that you can get all of the chapters together all at once. Yeah, it, it has being done in stop motion. It has that really cool I don't know, surrealness to it, uncanniness to it. And then like you said they bring in a lot of odd 
materials and it just it makes it all the more surreal because it's it's this like fictional world with like the character has kind of a clay look to him but it's it's not strictly claymation let's say right it's just just stop motion with some weird textures and cool props and yeah it looks and it actually uh, it garnered some attention because it was nominated well it didn't win but it was nominated for the independent games festival visual excellence award in 2011 and that was only after their first bits were out so Good for them. It's a shame they didn't win. There's no way that whatever beat them was harder to make. Because, I mean, no, the stop motion just takes forever. It takes so long. There's there's a universe out there, an alternate timeline, where I make stop motion adventure games with my brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always what I think about. when I Because this is in my library, even though I've never played it. So whenever I see Dream Machine, and probably the thought behind buying it at the time was like, this is what I'd be doing mm-hmm. with my brother if... if if things were just slightly different, I guess you could say, because he's he's out in, mm-hmm. in, in Hollywood doing stop motion stuff and I'm here doing adventure games. But there is a timeline where we we do a, a thing together and it's probably not as much of a bummer as the Dream Machine looks. Because, I mean, I mean, it looks amazing. I'm sorry. But you know what I mean? The plot, the whole thing is very sad. Very mm-hmm. sad vibes. It is. Very desolate. Very sad vibes. Kind of like uh, that Dropsy the Clown has a lot of that. And actually, that should have been one that I, I mentioned in this. Mm. And, and I'm just going to quickly give it a nod here because uh, it's it's a really different kind of a game. Uh, and it, uses, it is an adventure game. And the clown is very sad, but it's uplifting. He's he's <laughs> almost not even sad. He's more just naive, I guess. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's bummed out about the fire and what he's trying to put together his past and find out exactly what happened. But like... He comes across like he has maybe there's like a childlike wonder that saves it from sadness mm-hmm. where, where he has it's, like it's this ignorance. He doesn't, he doesn't realize he's, he's horrifying looking and he just wants to <laughs> hug people and you, 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 you advance through kind acts and hugging people and uh, mm-hmm. there's icon based navigation, right? So it's like mm-hmm. you choose how to interact with characters based on, on symbols, symbolism as opposed yeah. to just words. So that's kind of different. No words, yeah. That's another one that's on mobile and it's good for mobile. Like uh, Strummer, my son plays that a, a lot. Like he'll just happen as what he's, he's, he's a weird little guy. He's always like scary stuff. Like Coraline was like his favorite. It's probably still is his favorite movie, uh, which, which is off putting like for a three-year-old to be like, I choose Coraline. Like, ah, you don't want to watch Moana? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hope I'm not raising a little Dahmer here. But anyway, he, he likes Dropsy um, a lot. And it is in a weird way, good for kids in that sense. Cause first of all, it's like a super neon, it's a very childlike palette in a, in a good it way. It is. Like just very like, you know, prime color, not even prime colors. Cause it's, that's actually no, they're inaccurate. Like rainbowy, but, hazy, yeah, trippy, like acidy almost. But the people that made it, that's cockroach. They also did the Shiva we were just talking about and the black, I mean, not like the people, the people, but the, the developers, that's, that's their other games. So they've been around. So that's the, like the publisher, I guess. Yeah, because we all we have the developer being tender shoot and a jolly corpse, but uh, yeah, developer Jay, digital. Jade Thome, Thome, Jade Thome is his Thome, name. Yeah, he um, did some other stuff, a, a mm. couple of other games too that are that are different. So you know, then that the next six, seven games, six games are yours. So have at her. I'm gonna go get a coffee. Wow, go terrific. for a little walk. I'm gonna come back in a bit. I'll see you later. All right, resonance. That's that's for red. Oh yeah, okay. I mean this though because I'm excited now because I mean this one. <laughs> the other ones I said, yeah, it was all just bullshit filler. But this, you should this play. This is resonance. the real thing. This is this game's <laughs> very very fun, very cool. Fun's not even the right word for it because it's 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 mm-hmm. kind of like a. It's quite serious, actually. There's, there's, there's a yeah. It's like a dude that dies. He's like a particle physicist. Physicist that he dies unexpectedly. Right, but yeah. but his technology has to be secured because all the bad guys are going to get it, and if the people get his technology that shouldn't, everybody's screwed. Exactly, exactly. So it's and it's one of those. Well, not one of those, but like it's um, multi multi play, player character play a book. Yeah, four four levels in this one. And, and yeah. it's 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 a great modern take on that because it, it utilizes the player characters. I think I, I haven't played it in a couple of years now, but. I'm going to be bold and just because who honestly also who cares and just say that I think they utilize the switching of player characters the best because even in Thimbleweed mm-hmm. Park, which I absolutely adore and, and is still in like tops, probably three favorite games of all time, maybe five, but probably three. I, I'll still say this, that there was only one puzzle in the whole game where you actually used all the players together. 
And dude, I, mm-hmm. I get that. That sounds, it's just like developmental hell, like the chaos involved mm-hmm. and, and the open routes and the things you have to account for to allow a player that kind of just chaotic reign over your game. I, I get it. But, but it's like still at the end of the day, it's like there's only one time when you used all the characters together. And I feel like Resonance had a lot more of that, a lot more playing off mm-hmm. of the four and, and a, like a, a balanced. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. So, so it's a really good game if you'd like. Just that 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 style. If you like the the, the day of the technical maniac mansion, switching between mm-hmm. multiple player characters to get something done, and each character is, is quite different and, and has a different sort of skill set. Let's say, like all limited to like it's a real world based game, so none of them have like superpowers. But like you know, one of them's like street tough, and the other's got you know charm, and the other's got this and that, and you use those things to advance. So, um. Really cool game. It's got some really cool like mechanics that they introduced too. So Resonance is awesome. I think Resonance is again another one in the spirit of this list where it's like mm-hmm. it was made by twelve games, um, published by Wajidai. So that being said, it's yeah. like when when Wajidai comes up, like Resonance is is among the least the, among the last to get mentioned. Um, it does. Yeah, so I know, but for real, I, I recommend Resonance. It's really good. I think it's like one of the only Wajidais that didn't get a mobile port for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's way up there. It's up there with Unavowed and Techno Babylon as as their best. Um, which is that I feel just nerd. Like I want to be pedantic with myself right now because I'm like, well, uh, mm-hmm. Unavowed was the only one that why should I actually developed? Whereas they just published the other two. So I'm just gonna leave it. But <laughs> um, the next game is Gone Home, which. Uh, had more of an impact on me coming back to adventure games than I give credit for. And the reason I remember this, remembered even that notion was because uh, the trolls had the, the same story, the same origin story that he brought up mm-hmm. on, our, on our podcast with, with error 47. Um, and he kind of, you had asked him, you know, as far as like him being around and kind of leaving and coming back to adventure games. And it all came back to him saying that this game got him back into it let's say and, and it did the same for me um i don't really know chronologically if this happened i think it did happen before i found sarian so anybody out there you can go mm-hmm. to sarian.net and play like police quest and like two or three others on online um mm-hmm. legally legitimately um and that's that's literally how i got i think kind of back into it which was just had mm-hmm. quick and dirty i, I was working with like horses and, and doing music. So like a, no part of my brain was wired towards like emulation or scum or figuring any of that bullshit out or, you mm-hmm. know, so I felt at the time. So Sarian was awesome for me then. Cause I was able to just go on a browser and like play police quest and be like, and I'm addicted. Um, but I think before that I played gone home cause it was ported to Macintosh and it was like, it was in their app store and I just happened upon it one day in 2013, it turns out. And it's, it's just a cool narrative kind of game. First person, it's a lot of the things that I don't play now, which kind of reminds mm-hmm. me that I probably should be more open to, say, 3D graphics and first-person adventures and stuff. Um, but yeah, just like I think I opened it and I was like, oh, I'll just mess around with it for a few minutes. And then like all the hours went by and I was done. It was like one of those experiences for me. It was just a really cool atmospheric kind of vibe. You don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You're discovering who you are as a character and about her life as you're playing it and there's, there's definitely like a secret, like a thing that needs to be said. So her being Caitlin, uh, and she's she's returned home from her trip to Europe, and, and her whole family's house is empty, and it's kind of this like, I guess, I mean, the, the term's been going around lately, and it's not a term I'd heard before, but you could almost consider this game to be like a walking simulator. It's like, because there's not a lot of puzzles. It's right. more like, it's exploration... It's a narrative. Yeah, it means that, you know, you don't need to stop and do a slider puzzle partway through. You're just, there's nothing that's going to stop and kill you. It's just, but there's a lot of attention to detail. And even like people still, they debate the endings. They talk about uh, stuff to do with the game and the influence and stuff. Uh, Some people say that it even influenced uh, Uncharted 4. So it's kind of cool. It did end up winning a game. It was a a game for best debut game in the British Academy back in 2014. So, but yeah, check it out. It's worth playing. If you play it through once, it's going to change if you play it through again, just just due to the choices and the things that you do. And and that's why the the endings are kind of heavily analyzed. Super interesting. Yeah, extremely narrative heavy. Okay, so that's what a walking simulator is, right? Where you just you you go and allow things. It, it's it's like a series of allowing information to be presented to yourself. Yeah, <laughs> lack of traditional gameplay mechanics, I guess, is like the boring way to put it. 
Okay, no, that fits. Yeah, and that fits, I guess, for what that was. So it is, it's, it's, yeah, mm-hmm. it feels adventurous, but yeah, I guess you're right. You're not really solving puzzles or whatever. It doesn't matter. So that's Gone Home. It's mm-hmm. a really good story. It's a good narrative. Um, I mean, it's okay. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember it. <laughs> Back paddling hard. <laughs> Next is a Golden Lake, which I absolutely adore, and I want to do an episode about it one day. Um, I, it's mm-hmm. still my favorite game from Grundislav. It was published by Wajai and done by Francisco. I think you like that time period a lot, though. The 1920s, don't you? Like, yeah, I guess that's, so. That's a few of the games you like are kind of set in that time period. The, the 20s was. It was a really classy time, too. Well, it's funny you say that, too, because I think I'm really drawn to games that are in a realistic environment. So that, I think mm-hmm. that's like half of it right there. And, and the, just a lot of them that take place in, the, in let's say, the real world, like just happen to be timepieces or, or older Victorian or 20s or whatever. Um, would 20s be Edwardian? Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Anyway, the mm-hmm. Golden Mike is really cool. To, it's, it's another, it does another thing that I like a lot, which is blending history with fiction. Um, it does. It's the, actually like a love letter to a historical period as well as a love letter to adventure games. Okay, that's a bit much, but <laughs> I mean, come on, let's see, you know, jeez. Aww. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, I just, okay. <laughs> but it did win a lot of awards, so people did like it. It got some best writing uh, in a couple other things, and it was, it was, it was really an homage to me. If, if Love Letter is strong, homage works. How is that? They're both pretty gross. I'm gonna be honest. I like Francisco in this game too much to say what I'm really thinking right now, which is just gross. Please stop using that kind of language, people. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's a love letter to like maybe because you know in in everyone's defense, this was 2014. It hadn't. It, it wasn't quite the dead, bloody, beaten horse that it is now, as a term. No. So we'll let it go on that. But anyway, it's a fun game. It's a it's a it's a love letter to adventure games, and it's <laughs> ew. Come on. <laughs> Next is yes. Snail Trek. That's that's in case I did cut that. Um, and if I did, you you guys are just like, cut what? Now I want to know. And if I didn't, you're like, you probably probably should have cut that. But here we are talking about Snail Trek from Icefall Games, which is Phil Fortier. Mm-hmm. Phil's just, he's, he's the sweetest guy. I love Phil. He made SCI Companion for us. Um, and he's mm-hmm. he's currently working on Cascadia Quest. But it's cute, right? It's a, it's a crew of snails. How is this not like the absolutely most adorable game ever? Right, exactly, and that's and absolutely adorable is is what it is, and it's it's like a little space quest kind of vibe, kind of parody. I don't know how like direct it is a parody. Yeah, it's pretty space questy, um, in a great mm-hmm. way, obviously. But it's yeah, you're a bunch of snails. It's got an AGI vibe. Um, Phil, I, I think he basically built his own. I think he built his own engine or heavily no yeah because it wouldn't be sci i think he built his own engine because he's got this whole system with parser where um it has like a like a not an autocorrect but um like a spell check auto suggestion it's almost as yeah, if you know, it kind of took- says is this what you're trying to say yeah or and it, when you start typing like you know just the letter a like a bunch of like helpful things immediately pop up to select like a cell phone would do right so it's it's very mm-hmm. like messengery um it's it's an awesome modern take on parsers like exactly how parsers mm-hmm. should be done to, in in the today um and it's a lot of fun i played it with Sturmer and we had we had like a real uh sentiment i guess you could say over this game because we were playing them like it, each snail quest we were playing nightly and um, yeah there's four chapters so there's really there's a lot lot there yeah and they're they're, they're they, they get a little longer at each one but i remember like the first one's like a half hour and then it's like the next one's 40 the next one's 50 and it kind of tops out at like an hour hour and a half the, i think the last one again i was playing it with a, at the time five or six year old so it probably took a, a long time but but anyway, it was cute. Like he was so into it, he made me get like the DLC for it. We you know you can get like a little um, rainbow snail uniform or whatever, and yeah. and stuff like that. So anyway, Snail Strike is awesome, and it's a genuine good time. There's not enough parser stuff out there. So if you this one's an easy sell because it's like to, to the to the thirty percent of our listeners that, are, that just love parser shit, it's like you got to play Snail Trek. It's super fun. Mm-hmm. To the rest of you, just you haven't played Space Quest three yet, then this is not for you, dude. Seriously. And then play Space Coast 3. Um, <laughs> the next <laughs> one is Long Reach. We're skipping that because we did an episode on it. Um, 
and I think it's... I, but I, it's it, scary. It is. It's and fun. And it's, it's got... The, the soundtrack was composed by a Polish musician. Uh, I'm going to just say his first name because I'll never pronounce it right, Camille. But it's actually quite good for, for a little, like, very simplistic looking game. It's, it's got good sound. It's fun. It's weird. It's unique. It's got like mm-hmm. the, it's got like kind of a side scrolly presentation, but it's very much a point and click. And the art is cool, and the the atmosphere is effective. It's very tense, and it's, it's scary. And the lights flicker, and and it's a really good time. And it's about spooky season. So if you guys are looking for a scary ish horror ish adventure game, The Long Reach is dope. Mm-hmm. We've got the we've got whispers of a machine because this is this is the the redheaded stepchild to Kathy Rain. Kathy mm-hmm. Rain is Marsha, and this game's all Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Nobody talks about Bloody Me. Um, Whispers this Machines. This one's all Vera, Vera, Vera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We- <laughs> 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 um, it's, this, it's a lot of fun. It's a really good game. It's got a really cool mechanic that I forgot the specifics of, so fuck it. Um, it it's a totally a worthy successor to Kathy Rain as far as like exp- expecting. You mean like the augmentations? Is that what you, I'm just trying to play? Imagine because you can use the different augmentations to in, explore the environment in different ways. Yeah, is that what you mean? Oh yeah, okay. no, totally, totally. Yeah, thanks. Those for, ones are like you. Yeah. So. <laughs> and you're in futuristic Sweden, so it's like you know you want to go to an exotic place and you want to go there in the future, and then like everything you do in the whole game goes towards your different personality traits, and that affects like what happens at the end of the game. So, of course, you can get like different Steam accomplishments for getting all the different personality traits. So there's there's your replay value in that one. And you know us. We are all about replay value around here. That's, that's <laughs> kind of our big thing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Anna, for having my back. Anna's like the you're like Ned. You're like 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 the, the guy on the computer, you know, like feeding the information. <laughs> Here's what you want to say next. <laughs> Fuck, he's dropping this ball hard. <laughs> There's really like 70 cuts in every episode. It's just people don't know. It's just me going, okay, Paul, now next you say. Yeah, exactly. And then she kind of nudges me towards where the camera is in the room. And I look at it and I say the thing with a smile. Um, maybe it's like it's closer to like maybe Gabriel Knight or Broken Sword or that. Like if I was to take it back and compare it to an older game. Wait, Whispers of a Machine? Yeah. Have you played this game? Yes, I've played this game. Uh-oh. We did an episode <laughs> on it, I think. <laughs> did we? Okay. Because yeah. I, I'm getting this, like, I feel like I I feel like I made you play this game, but I only remember that now. And maybe something right. about you being stuck outside of the apartments? Yeah, or the plants are somewhere or something. Right, oh, yeah, exactly. It was outside With of the, the plants, apartment. outside of the apartments, yeah. both. Yeah. yeah. No, because the plants were, yeah, dude, weird. Yeah. No, did you totally like it? Played it. I'll and listen to the episode. I did. Okay. <laughs> Listen to the episode. It was good. So a Swedish this time this guy from Sweden, he he's Thomas Carlberg. It's he not also, as Swedish heavy as Anna's making it sound. I just want people to <laughs> It's like Swedish prog rock. No, no, nothing like that. Like you it's can just, get it's through a, the game without ever knowing anything that happened in Sweden. I'm just saying. All right. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's just I just like saying the word because it makes me seem foreign and exotic. Swedish. The fish are delicious. The end of a Tom Green the Bum Bum song. It's the Swedish is the real name of the song yeah it was it was the swedish all along is i think yeah where you're headed with that that's was but augmentation right yeah yeah no it was cool good game totally (laughs) play it so the last one oh thank goodness on the list is a game that is not a game and that's my choice i have no game wrong dimension that's a 2020 and actually funny enough uh well my kid's been playing it for a long time ever since it came out and uh then jack allen mentioned it when we were doing a sort of a group podcast thing but i'm not sure if that episode got released or not because we had one that didn't end up going through but it's an indie game after all of those words and it's kind of like you could call it a point and click but it's not it equates it like the internet says it's like Maniac Mansion, but I don't think so. It's more of like a puzzle game. And the whole time you're playing it, you're trying to convince the game you want to play it. And the whole time you're playing it, the game is trying to stop you to play it. And it it like walks you through all these different game genres. There's even like a little adventure game that's a point and click in the middle of it. So all the way through, it's he's being difficult, you're oh, being difficult, yeah. he's being difficult, you're that's being why difficult. I I'm yeah. being difficult right now, kind of cutting you off there. I'm sorry. No, because I was wondering, like, why is it even in my library? Because, it, granted, 
way before you talking about it because that then it would make mm-hmm. sense. Oh, Anna talks about it, so I bought it. But no, I gotten this like a, when it first came out, and I was wondering mm-hmm. why. But now I see the screen where it's like Day of the Tentacle kind of vibes. If you play it with Strummer on your lap, your kid, right? He's going to laugh. You're going to laugh. And then you guys are going to both keep playing for sure. It's right. funny. And it is hardcore Day of the Tentacle vibes. The the adventure game yeah. part of it, is not the rest yeah. of it. But yeah, the adventure oh, yeah. game part of it, it's all bendy cities and scorches. Yeah. No, you're messing with the guy. The guy's trying to like almost Gary Owens you. He's just like, and you're just like, no, no, I want to play. And he's like, oh yeah, try this. And then like, there's like, there's this one scene where he keeps changing the intro into different languages or like, sometimes you have to like smash the screen apart and it's, ah, and everything's like related. It is so like insulting, but also fun. It's good. It's, it's so good. I highly recommend it, especially if you have like a kid to, to just play it. But even if you don't, and it's also an app. And uh, I think that's it. Uh, anything you want to add? I, before yes. I go into- actually, it, there actually is. Uh, if I could go back to 1991 in this episode, not Ooh. like in life. Yeah, right? <laughs> sort of philosophical <laughs> way. Um, I would add uh, James Pond 2 Robocod. That's, Ooh. I don't know not adventure games very well. And I just, I, there's part of my brain that's like, you like that game. You, you really liked it playing, playing it when you were little, the little fish like stretches. And you get, I don't know if he did that in the first one or not, but he, he, he that's a big part of the, the why reason I liked it. I remember it's cause he's all stretchy boy and can mm-hmm. reach stuff cause he can stretch and, it, it, and he's, he's grossly underqualified cause he's, you know, a fish. So all right, thank you everybody for listening. That's our show. Um, special, extra, huge, big old, giant, super duper thanks to Brian Manown and Michael Council from our extra special thanks to you on Patreon. You guys are awesome. If you listening would like to be a Patreon, then then it's an exclusive club called Anybody with the Dollar. You could you could do that. Um, extra special thanks to you. That's that's a whole another. That's a bit of an investment, let's say. But you could you could do that too. Um, we really appreciate you guys because it pays for the stuff. Lunchbox, please. I'm trying to. I'm obviously doing something. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Do you guys have cats? Doesn't. You know what? Look. Listen. What I'm trying to say here is thanks to the Patreons. You could be a Patreon too. If only you would adjust your aspirations. I don't know. All right. I want to give a shout out, uh, honorary mention, if you will, to um, Slat Studio. Uh, Ryan is making some awesome games. Um, Betrayed Alliance Book 1 has just gotten a remaster. He's working on Book 2. Go to rjslattery.com and check those games out because they're amazing. If you love Sierra, kind of period, check them out. But especially if you like the Parser games and, and long for more of them. If you've done some longing recently for a part of the game, please check out rjslattery.com. And also shout out to, um, again, to Octavia Navarro's amazing series, Midnight Scenes, because it's just beautiful work. Um, and he's just a, a, an amazing person, an artist, and, and hero of mine. And spooky season, basically. So it's time to time to, time to to get spooky. Check out Midnight Scenes on GOG and Steam. And while I'm begging for things, um, wishlist my game, The Phantom Fellows. That would be amazing. In the description below is a link that'll take you to GOG, where you can vote for it to be put on GOG and G golly, that would just, that would, that's, that's what I want for birth. Miska is, is that it's, I, <laughs> I'm a Jew born on Christmas Eve. That's my day. Um, that, that would be awesome. It would mean a lot. Also check out our friends in the adventure game, hotspot network, space quest, historian, adventure game, geek, one short eye conversations with Curtis. And of course the adventure game hotspot themselves, all of their latest works are linked in this episode below. So you could check out some more adventure game goodness there and say hi to us on Twitter at CGD podcast at phantom fellows. Um, send us mail, mail at classicgamersguild.com. We got some bloody bangers this week. I'm not going to cover without Anna, but thank you guys for sending those. And oh yeah, Anna's not here. Her, her, she did this probably better than me, but it ended up all like kind of sounding. So I had to cut it out and do it myself again. But real quick, we're, we're, we're basically done here. We were a Facebook page in a group. Say hi to us there. We're on Instagram. Oh my God. Yeah, we're done. Don't do a murder. Do not do a murder. There. Now I can just patch that one in for any episode and it'll always sound natural.